Hello, welcome to the last discussion of 2022. I thought it was 2023. That's right. Pretty wild, isn't it? To mm -hmm. think. Tomorrow's going to be 2023. Because remember, we didn't get together the other week. We it's true. It's true. By our calendar, we were on 17 today. Oh. That's kind of what I went off of. That's okay. We'll get through it. Maybe we can talk about both chapters. Because I didn't read 16. <laughs> yeah, we skipped last week because of Christmas. Christmas Day and, what was it, 5 degrees or something like yeah, that as a high. Cold. So, yeah, we decided to just play just hunker down but that's all right but so then to kind of follow off with all of that uh this is also our last discussion of the book of acts well obviously we didn't finish all 20 some chapters but that's okay and starting in a couple weeks we're going to start for our listeners a new season going through the sure the sure word study and um that's going to be really good really cool interesting season to get in with all of that so today, what we were specifically going to be talking about was the Arapagos Address. And as we know with the Book of Acts, it's just kind of like chronologically recording all of the act, you know, the different things that the apostles are doing, Paul and Peter. And this is a really interesting story that Paul shows up at this city and there's a lot of people there who are worshiping a whole bunch of different gods, different temples, and they have a they have a temple built for the unknown god. That's what the scripture says. There's an inscription for the unknown god. So why don't we read that verse we're gonna start in verse twenty two through thirty six, thirty four, sorry. And just have some interesting conversations. Because there's, if you think about it, in Paul's address here, there's actually a lot of really cool things that he sort of touches on but doesn't get really deep with. He's just kind of like planting seeds in, in the minds of the people who are listening to it. So it's really cool. So, so yeah. Um, volunteers start reading. Joe, why don't you read, I don't know, a couple, three, four verses. Uh, the the Arapagus Address. Paul stood in the middle of the Arapagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. Whereas I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. Awesome. Wait, maybe before we keep going, what do you think of that? Just the first couple verses. I found it interesting that they're praying to something they don't know. Yeah? Go pray. To what? Yeah. I don't know. The thought I had was like they were so religious that they're covering all their bases. Mm, that's what I thought, yeah. Right? 
God's forever thing, and like if we missed anybody, that's yeah, that's yeah. Very like fear based, maybe superstitious religion that they're running off of. Kind of interesting there. What do you think of that idea though, where he talked about um, verse twenty five? Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Other translations I've, I read, it says, because he doesn't need anything. Well, he doesn't ask you for anything either. You know, I'm going to call it, um, he's the only God God gives you. He doesn't need anything because all he needs is your love and your attention and your relationship with him. He will then reward you with blessings. Or kind of like you were saying, it's like they're trying to appease them so that they don't get in trouble. So mm. this God doesn't need that. He doesn't need you to build him temples or shrines or, you know, do anything. Sacrifice. He's got it all covered. And like, also, like a lot of the pagan gods, people will bring them food mm. and, you know, and mm -hmm. it sits there and, and mm -hmm. nothing happens to it. You know what I mean? It rots or whatever. But yeah. I mean, clearly God doesn't need all these things right what do you think about that idea though does god actually need anything he needs somewhat of a sacrifice that's what that's what living's all about say more about that what do you mean kept in order life i mean especially when it comes to religion it's, it's there are sacrificial things involved i don't know how to be more specific but in a more broader way in order to live and be happy, you have to sacrifice things, you have to compromise. So are you saying sacrifice things in terms of uh, personal sacrifices or sacrificing things to I mean kind of both earn something of, of someone else? It's kind of like um I mean like think about like the Cain and Abel story. Mm-hmm. Cain wasn't willing to give I mean, like, he wasn't willing to give his best sacrifice. Mm -hmm. and that's why he was rejected by God, hmm. in a way. Hmm. So. Interesting. I think God needs, the thing that God needs is companionship. That's why he made us. He created us as companions, for companions. So, yeah, I was, I was going to kind of go there with that. If you think about, what is it, First John, something says God is love. <clears throat> so God is love. Love can't exist in a singular. Like, love requires there to be an other, uh, someone reciprocal. else. I, I was going to bring up the commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself, so you still have to love God. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, for God to and be God love... Wants, God wants... God, God needs... Just like in any... Even a patriarchal society where the father... Uh, the father still needs love, even though... In, in that society, the father was the lawgiver, was the iron fist that controlled everything. He still needed love also. Yeah. Pretty interesting, huh? To think about. Love, and that's why I think, I think it's really interesting if you think about the Trinity. There's three. If you have two, and only two, then you don't have, you still don't have true, sacrificial, other-centered love. Because in just two, one... You know, one person can be loving to influence the other in a manipulative way. 
But when there's three, then one of those three has to be sacrificial for the benefit of the other two. That's how love functions, right? That's why, that's why God, you know, in creation, you know, Adam and Eve and be fruitful and multiply. Like we weren't designed to be, you know, just a husband and wife without a kid. A kid. That's where love. And I can just, I can just tell you that in our relationship, my relationship with Sarah, you know, we were married seven years or more without Bo, and then how our lives changed and how my life changed with Bo being there and having to say like, okay. Well, the needs that I thought were important and were important previously, I have to now put on the back burner because I've got Bo now. And everything just kind of changes that way, you know? The back burner or just your priorities change? I, and sure, priorities change, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it puts you in a situation of being more self-sacrificial, for sure, you know? All right, well, let's continue on. Um, Mom, you want to read 26 through 29, 30, something like that? From one man, he has made every nationality <coughs> over the whole earth, and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offering. Since then we are God's offering, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. That's interesting. What do you guys think about that? <clears throat> Since we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is anything physical. Right? Gold, silver, stone, those are all like physical things. False idols, because then we defend them. Because then we start judging people on their gold and their silver and their stones. We judge them up. Either it could be we could judge them in two extremes. Oh, look at that! That's awesome. Or you think you're better than me? You know, just there's yeah. two ways we can do that. But at least with God, and you know, so much I've been I've said a couple times recently in different conversations with people, and one of the things which I'm really appreciating. Is, you know what? There's a mystery, and I'm fine with that. Mm. I'm fine with the mystery. I'm fine with it. If I'm meant to know it, eventually I'll, I will know it. You know? I, I like the mystery of God. And, you know, I know He's there. Um, the, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit speaks through me. And Christ walked this earth. And I, I know there's, there's, there's a, there's, but there's a mystery there, which I'm fine with. I'm actually, I'm excited that there is a mystery because that means as long as there's a mystery, I can't be satisfied and content, complacent. I know there's something to look forward to every day to get to see God and learn who God is and everything. Can I piggyback on that a little bit sure. and, and just give you some feedback and say, so does that mean when Jesus comes and you see him, there's no longer a mystery? And then what will you have to look forward to? Everlasting life. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, oh, it's that old cliche, you got your eye on the prize, right? <laughs> 
know, is that the prize to, to, to go to, to go to the new city on the hill? I guess the thing about it too, I've had this conversation before with somebody, hmm. but once you, once, once we go to heaven, our needs will be completely different than what our needs are now. So our perception will be way different than it is now. And so it's like, we really have no idea. That's, a, that's a myth. It's like, you have no idea what it will even feel like to be a being there. That's a myth or a mystery? Either or. Those are different things. Like that song. I love that song. What will I do? A mystery, not a myth. You know, it's like, will I even be able to talk? A myth is established. What will I do? It's a mystery. We don't know. Right. And there's a mystery in that. Exactly. So I think that... So your answer is yes. There's, uh, I think, a, a big mystery is going to go away, but yet there's just so much more that we're going to learn and know and feel, yes. and there's so yes. much more yes. that lies ahead. Yes. Yeah. So there's well, like, go ahead. Well, if you think about it, here we are on this earth, and there is so much knowledge and so much, you know, things out there. Do we know it all? Mm-hmm. Do we learn every day? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm how old and I'm still learning. And if you think about a perfect universe with all these different citizens and all these different nations is really kind of, I imagine mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to be, how would you get bored? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't wait to fly and, you know, visit places and understand how that happens. And you know what I mean? I don't know. I, really... I just feel like you would never get bored and there's always some sense of mystery because you have never experienced it. Well, uh-huh. let's, let's just look at like verse 29 where he said, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, right? An image fashioned by human art and or imagination, right? So we could ask the question, so what is the divine nature? What, what is a person's nature? I'm looking at it like... Um, like he says, we're God's offspring. Right. Um, so we have a divine nature because yep. we're his offspring. Yep. The other things that are mentioned, gold, silver, stone, art, imaginations, those all have like a tangible value to them mm-hmm. in our world. Mm-hmm. Gold's worth this much. Silver's worth this much. There's a so finite parameter to yes. it. Yes. But we're not supposed to think of... of us our divine nature with any of those values because we're god's offspring our value is so much greater that we can't put any value on that because it's like it's infinite there's the key word i was waiting for was infinite right so god's nature god's character god is infinite so to the idea of like a mystery joe yeah one day we will see Jesus face to face but there's an infinite mystery yet in front of us and that's this process of infinitely growing into a knowledge of who God is and becoming like him having that divine nature recreated in us like that's an infinite we'll always be learning something new I, you know and one thing that you know talking about this mystery and everything is mm-hmm. um, uh, verse 26 from one man he has made every nationality live over the whole earth. And I think what's really important is has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. You know, and, and I know the cliche, you're here because God put you here, da, da, da. But there's a reason why he did that. And 
there's a mystery behind it for sure. But we're to grab the bull by the horns and do what we need to do, you know. So I, I, I like that line of uh, really sticks out of me. Determine mm -hmm. their appointed times. Mm. Because then that sort of helps with the mystery and goes, well, if God had wanted, wanted my soul and spirit to be in 1822 or 1746 or 2942, he would have put it there. But he's got me in here and now. I need to make the best of the here and now and do what I can to learn, to understand, and to share. What do we all think of that? Add one. Good points. Yeah. So I'd does that mean God appointed Hitler to be there and kill millions of Jews at the appointed time? No. They're no, evil. no. Not necessarily. No, the evil took over that one. Okay. Well, his own choices. His own right. choices right. and desires to conquer everything. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just, when I when I read things like that for me personally, there are there are people who believe that God is sovereign, which he is. God is in control, which he is. But what is he sovereign over and what is he in control of? So for me, when I read those things, do I hear Paul saying that, yep, God ordained it to happen and so therefore your power of choice has been removed because, well, God chose it to be like that? Or, and this is how I personally read it, that God has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. He, he knows the end from the beginning. He lives outside of our finite linear time frame. So when God... I think there's a difference in God saying, I've appointed you to live 78 years. So when you die, well, that's because that's when I said, that's when I chose you were going to die, right? Some people believe God's like that. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't view God in that way. Because I think that puts God in a negative light to say, oh, so in that case, then God appointed that my child be born with some very difficult developmental issues. If that's the case, then how could a loving God do that to my child? There's a lot of people who, there's a lot of people who view God. And I'm not saying I'm not saying you view God this way, Joe, at all. I'm just saying there's a lot of people who view God as that sovereign that reject Him and say, "Well, God's not loving because if what kind of God would appoint, you know, a suffering a person to be born with some." malleable condition or not malleable but you know what i'm saying like some issue yeah. how how do we take that verse then because it sounds like pretty it does it's like literal yeah it absolutely does sound that way i'm looking at it in the positive light mm -hmm. um it, you know again you know i know this is kind of a cheesy way of putting it but you know we do have the free will you talk about no i i i, I can't again there's mysteries with things that yeah. We're not going to know the answers to why did this happen? Why did that happen to this yeah. particular person or person? Yeah. Um, but I also know, too, God also gave me the ability, if I'm driving down the road, there's a tree and a curve with a tree there. He's given me the ability to choose. To choose. Do I hit the tree or do I turn the wheel? Exactly. And, you know, again, when we talk about other things such as, you know, what type of uh, could be wrong with a, a child or, or what have you. I, there's there's a and, I, and, and it's it's easy for us to say like you said well god chose that to happen well, okay but that's that's a tough pill to swallow but we but we learn as we get older why certain things happen um you know one one thing that i on a personal note that took me 30 years to understand 
without going into too much detail, but I think my mother's time on earth was done, was, was over. She, she was ready. Hmm. And she died in a car accident. It was a violent way to go, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it took me 30 years to understand the right thing happened at the right time. Hmm. She was done as a human. For, and again, a whole different talk for another year. But, you know, so I'm, I'm, I never was mad at God for taking her at 55 years old. Never was. Took me 30 years to understand why. I can't put it in words, but I know why now. Mm-hmm. But I know the Spirit, Holy Spirit spoke to me mm-hmm. through learning and conversations and learning mm-hmm. to know why certain things happen. And, and it's a it's a tough thing to explain to somebody else or when you hear situations with other people but again there was a here and now there was a reason why and it helps can I throw something in? sure okay maybe you heard this or not but I'm relating it to what you're talking about okay but that oh snowstorm in Buffalo hmm. there were people stuck in their cars and there was one man who was stuck in his car. He, he had actually left his home to help his friend get home and got stuck. Mm. And he went knocking on doors. He knocked on 10 doors and told them, look, we're freezing to death. Please let us in. And every door turned them away. No way. This, wow. Every door. He's like, I'm going to die, you know. Well, what happened was this other lady he got back in his car with his friend, and then there was another lady, an older lady, who was also stuck. And she came and sat with them until their gas ran out, and then they sat in her car until their gas ran out. Well, in that time period, a um, his phone was still working. He found a school, mm-hmm. okay? And when he saw the school, he's like, the school's going to have light, it's going to have food, it's going to have heat. Mm-hmm. So... He got together with these three people, and by that time, along the way, they had met four or five more people, and they went up to the school, and they mm-hmm. broke the door and mm-hmm. went in, and, and they had food and shelter. Mm-hmm. He saved over 23 people, wow. Wow. and if one of those people had let him stay, which makes me want to cry, mm-hmm. in their home, he wouldn't have saved them. Wow. And so, you know, relating to your story, I can't remember the point, but... You know, we don't God's know why, and it's mystery. just it's. But it's beautiful because in the end, you know, they had each other and they were able to save each other. And you mm-hmm. know, truly, surely, God's hand was in that. You know, mm-hmm. and because who shuts the door of their heart on somebody? I know I couldn't. Well, yeah. You know, it's it's just anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, you you make a great point. And so in all of these situations, I think there's a there's a there's a way that we can. And all, I think it boils down to how do you view God, right? There's a way you can view these stories that, that makes God not look good, and there's a way you can view them that makes God look really, really good mm-hmm. in all of these situations. And and so kind of to your point, Morgan, as I'm kind of processing, how do you understand that? Because it does sound super literal. And it, maybe this is a really weak metaphor, but I look at it like, you know, if I throw a mouse in a snake cage, the snake's going to eat the mouse. And I can say... In 30 seconds, that snake's going to eat the mouse. 30 seconds from now, it has happened. Did I predict it? To ha- did, did I ordain it happening? No. I just understand what will take place in these situations. And so this is... I, I kind of view God, because he lives outside of time, he knows the end from the beginning, 
And because we have free will choice, he he can say, well, like the Psalms. He there's a psalm, there's a prophetic psalm that says they they cast lots for my garments. They divided, you know. He's basically predicting when the soldiers were casting lots for Jesus' garment of the crucifixion. So does that is that mean that the reason the soldiers were throwing dice to see who would win Jesus' robe only happened because God said it would happen? Or is God revealing what's going to happen? Right? Because it's the nature of people and Exactly. Humanity. Like yeah, he, he he because he lives outside of time, he was able to look, you know, from the time of David writing these Psalms, he was able to look in the future and say, Yeah, they're gonna do this, so he's inspiring David to write this. But that doesn't that didn't take away the soldiers free will to sit down and gamble for the robe. Like they still chose to do that, right? So I look at it in this way, like Paul is basically making a point by saying yeah, God is revealing there's times, there's places, there's boundaries, there's limits. He, you know, he's doing all of these things. Um, but that doesn't mean that it, it has happened because God said it happened. Does that kind of make sense? No, it makes sense. He appointed life, he appointed life but also gave us free will. That's right. It's like a more simple way. Because one thing I think is important is read the next verse, too, right after that. So yeah. he did all that, but then he did it so that they might seek God. Yeah. perhaps they might reach out and find him. So, you know, right, yeah. it wasn't like he put you in a prison. He, you know, right, kind of like what you said. And another thing that's important is, you know, knowledge is verse after verse after verse. It's real easy to pick one verse and say, yes. you know, hey, we're going to hell because right here in this story talks about you can't reach a cross. Mm -hmm. But in many other verses, it talks about the spirit will be lifted. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, so right, maybe, you know, take anyway, yes. there's a lot of different information out there so you look at it as the big picture because exactly I can look at that and say you know I don't have any choice in the matter he said when I'm gonna live when I'm gonna die and you know so what why am I doing that but then the next thing he said he did that so that I could get to know him so maybe the first part wasn't as important as the second part and I'm putting the emphasis in the wrong area yeah you know he really didn't you know he did that but that's not what that's not the point of the story trying to tell me right now and in many other parts of the Bible, he talks about love and treating my neighbors well, you know, that, that support that theory more so than he's a mean guy that wants to control me and put me in a jail cell. Anyway. I think human condition actually has perpetrated uh, a side of God that actually us humans do anyway. Hmm. We're actually, what do you call it, deflection? Projection. Or yeah. project, projecting. Right. Yeah, that keeps God of what we actually do ourselves. Right. Yep. Like humanity, throughout the history of humanity, yep. humanity has done exactly what they accuse God of, being a dictator yep. and stuff. Right. You know, where God just gives you free will. You know, it's just like a parent. Right. You know, you can tell your children, uh, you can, you can, right. you can raise your children to be good humans and good Christians and, and eventually good advice. When, when they grow up yep. it's up to them to do what they want I think uh, I think Paul writes in Romans um, people exchanged the truth about God for a lie followed after worthless things and became worthless themselves right so that's exactly what you're describing people have exchanged the truth about who God is as revealed in Jesus and have fashioned this character character caricature of God that works just like we work. 
human law, the whole the whole penal legal thing. Like like that's how we do that's how we do stuff. You and know? we accusing them of what right. we actually doing ourselves. That's right. To to to, to each other. That's right. That's right. You know? Yep. And the whole world's followed after that. And and God is in the, the gospel message, the good news about God is God is not like that. Yeah, God is love. He's not like that. Yeah. And, and and so you know, that kind of brings us right, I think, to the fundamental issue is God's waiting for people to reject that false view of God and, and get back to worshiping, which I loved how Paul writes it here at the beginning when we start this whole process. He's the God who created the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. He created the world, everything in it. Like, he, you know, he's not a legal dictator God. He's a creator God who sustains life and is working to restore life back to how he designed it to be. Like there's nothing arbitrary about it because we're arbitrary, right? Like, for sure. yeah, we make stuff up just to make stuff up and control to control and whatever. That's right. Any final comments here before we close for prayer? Yeah, there's a few more verses here we didn't quite get, but some really good things he pulls out in verse 30. He talks about how God overlooks some ignorance and sins, and he's wanting people to repent. Um, verse 31, real quick, I just want to address verse 31. Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. Does that make you nervous? Does that make anybody yeah, nervous? That's highlighted like a big question mark. Wait, say that again? Verse 31, because he, he's referring, Paul is referring to God, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. Does that make you nervous? No, not really. By the man he has appointed. What does that mean? Uh, I'll just finish the verse then. Uh, he has pro provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So he's oh. referring to Jesus. He's judging the world based on Jesus' life. Is that what it's saying? Um, well, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. So is that the, the standard of love that Jesus showed us? He's, I don't, you know, he's judging the world by that standard of love. So does God's judgment determine whether you are saved or lost? No, I mean we've always been we've been studying that the judgment is actually the judgment of God's character. That's one of them. There's a few. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of them. We're to judge if God is worthy of our worship. That's one. But this is uh, when Jesus stands in our place. Okay. This this is a good conversation. We should go for like part two here's probably. A, here's a little side note um, to think about this to hear. God turns the hearts of men in faith in Him, and causes and raises them from among the dead. Um, when he is going to judge the world, maybe it's like, yeah. But then, then you get into that question: well, if the person doesn't change their heart, what happens to them? So, yeah, there's that's an interesting. So, John in John uh, the Gospel, John, there's some really cool, interesting things where Jesus Himself says that. The Father doesn't judge, but he's given all the judgment to me, right? So Jesus is saying that that the one who's doing the judging is Jesus, okay? Well, then he follows it up after that, and he's saying, 
but I'm not going to judge anybody. And he makes this comment where he says, I'm not judging anybody. It's the result of your own choice. Can I read how it says in the Message Bible? Sure. In the Message Bible, it says, God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. But that time is past. The unknown is now known. And he's calling for a radical life change. He has set a day when the entire human race will be judged and everything set right. And he has already appointed the judge, confirming him before everyone by raising him from the dead. I like that. Right? Everything's going to be set right. So God's appointed a day where everything's going to be set right and judged, right? Which almost makes it sound like God is going to make a determination what's right and what's not right. Maybe I don't like that. But then he also said, and so I've appointed Jesus to be the person who's making that determination. But then you've got Jesus himself saying, but I'm not judging anybody. Are we thoroughly confused now? We, yep. judge, our, <laughs> we judge our own decisions and therefore we judge ourselves. We judge ourselves based on our own decisions? Yeah, I mean, we're the judge of our decisions. Okay, so how do you view God? How do you view God? Do you view God like like Angel wonderfully described it, working like us, where when you go before the judge, the judge looks at the situation, and the judge determines your speeding ticket. The judge looks back on the computer and sees how many tickets you've gotten in your life, and yep. how, and what, and where. And the judge determines what happens to you. Based on your past and the initial charges. And the exactly. Charges. Yep. Or, do you view God like a doctor? When you go to the doctor, and the doctor gets an MRI scan, and he looks at your history... And the doctor says, you have cancer. Is he determining you have cancer? No. Yeah, yeah, he He's revealing the reality of your condition. You have cancer. Those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says, I'm not judging anybody. Because what Jesus is saying, judgment is... The reality of the situation based on as you said Seth your own choice right and I kind of said it here too you God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better but that time is past hmm. the unknown is now known hmm. Jesus is now known I mean that's the way I understand okay. it so you know it doesn't say that there right known and he is calling for radical life change hmm. he has set a day so the known is known now. And so mm -hmm. what is he looking at? What, what proves you innocent or guilty? It doesn't say if you follow the Ten Commandments, if you did a radical life change, that I understand that I am, you know, I need Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Yep. I'm not, I, I say no, period, I, but, you know, there's more. But once, yeah. you, once you accept that and you understand that and you function under that, that's it. Like you said, it's going to be known. How did you, how did you view yep. God so, and Jesus and how did you live your life accordingly? Not sinfulness or whatever, you know. But how did you, you know, how did you view? Did you help yourself anyway? Right. See, I path. like I like a little bit what you just said. Like, why did Jesus come? Because the true the true character of God was not known. Right. It was not known. So now he known. God overlooked all their crazy sacrifices that they did and all the 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 stipulations that Pharisees put on people and. You know, he overlooks that because they didn't know any better. But now Jesus has come, shown them the truth. And so now 
you know, that's past. He's calling for radical life change. Radical life change. Period. Because Jesus came and told them the truth about God. So that's now a radical life change. Right. And he has said a day now. If not, if you gave your best or your, anyway. Yeah. And that's the deal. You can look at any of this in any light that you want. The question is, right, if you got a heart of stone, or and I don't mean to say that, but if you're you know, thinking exactly, why is there sin in the world, and why is there suffering, and why am I suffering, and so yep. that's God's fault, yep. you know, then right, everything's going to be skewed that way, if you look at it like, anyway, it's just how you look at it, because yep. we could divide any verse over and over mm -hmm. and over, but when you look at it from love perspective, you know, that fits too. <laughs> for, for me, it all can make sense, you know, in your in our mind. For you know, me, which one? Anyway. I to for me when I read a verse, right? To try to interpret it, God has to look good. God has to look like the good guy in the situation, and that that's my bias when I approach the Bible. So if I'm reading a passage, and I can't figure out how to make it look like God is the good guy then that doesn't mean God's not the good guy. That means I have more to learn and understand. Right. And right. so earlier when you asked about afraid of the judgment, you know, when I look at that, I'm not. Because I know the judge. I'm buddies with him. There you go. He's my good. friend. He's already told me what's going to happen. You know, I, I so I'm not afraid. Yeah. I may have it wrong, but I'm not afraid. <laughs> you know, like you said, it takes a lot of faith because why does all these things exist? Why do children be born, you know, that you know, are harmless? You know, I don't get it. I'll make you jealous like, you know, it's not supposed to. Or, you know, but if I get hung up on that, then right, I can see him in a bad light. But I just don't believe that's the case. Or that's, anyway, so right, I know the guy. I mean, we go off that ourselves, and eventually, you know, all these things that's happening over the years, you know, where the, the whole world corrupted itself by the original sin. Right. God created a perfect world. You know, you're just going to see it's getting more corrupted and corrupted as the day goes by, you know. Because back, back in the days, like, a lot of the stuff that happens nowadays, like 10, 15, 20 years ago, never happened. Like, what is going on with this world? You know, that a lot of different things happen. And, you know what I'm saying? Well, good discussion to, to yeah. finish off this year. Right. Yes, I liked it very much, so... Um, again, next next recording, next season on our podcast here, we'll start the Sherwood Studies. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody for participating today. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for blessing our conversation, for helping us to see some questions that we have, some fallacies, some understandings, uh, for just helping us just understand just how much more we need to learn about you and the excitement of that process uh, may you bless everyone who listens to this podcast and also listens to the series and uh, we just deepen all of our understandings about you we pray in your name amen amen, amen.